0: Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region.
1: Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. The Arab Israeli conflict has been known for tense negotiations, seemingly about to break down and lead to fighting between the parties when, at the last moment, a compromise is suggested and a deal is struck. The bargaining between Lebanon and Israel on the demarcation of their maritime boundary is no exception. It had its ups and downs, but now, having gone down to the wire because of domestic factors in both Beirut and Jerusalem, the formula drafted by American mediator Amos Hochstein has been accepted by President Michel Aoun north of the border and Prime Minister Ehud Lapid to its south. Aoun's term expires on the 31st of this month, and Lapid faces an uphill re-election the next day. So, is their administration's approval of the Hochstein draft a done deal, or could it still be aborted, leading Israel to an all-out clash with the Iranian-proxy Hezbollah? To analyze this matter, we are joined from Central Israel by Brigadier General in Reserve Doron Gavish, who is a former air defense chief. At the Israeli Air Force and a co panelist at TV7's Powers Employee, Thank you for joining us, General.
2: Thank you.
1: Also joining us from elsewhere here in Jerusalem is Dr. Neil Bohms, who is a research fellow at the Moshe Dayan Center at Tel Aviv University. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Good to be
3: here.
1: And uh, with us in the studio, as usual, our TV7 editor-at-large and host of Watchmen Talk, Powers in Play, and so much more, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding on the complexities of this truly uh, challenging topic. Uh, We know, of course, this has been ongoing for uh, many, many years. And suddenly before the election campaign uh, here in Israel and in Lebanon, for that matter, we suddenly uh, have a perfect deal. Is that truly possible? Anyone uh,
0: who has seen the uh, Israeli-Lebanese negotiations of 1983, which uh, supposedly culminated in the May 1983 peace agreement between Jerusalem and Beirut, only to be torpedoed by uh, Damascus, by President Hafez Assad, the the father of Bashar Assad, uh, must be cautious. Uh, And um, it's not final until it has been approved and ratified and implemented. But having said uh, that, um, there are three uh, points which are important to ponder regarding this agreement, first, or any other agreement. First of all, um, it must be uh, more cost effective for the parties to sign it than to withdraw from it. And apparently uh, it's a good deal for both uh, parties. The other uh, point is that no outside power uh, would seem to have a veto power over the agreement, which is what happened um, almost 40 years ago with Syria, but apparently is not the case here with Iran and Hezbollah. And the third point, is that if it is a good agreement and if there are benefits for both sides, it might be a good omen for the future. And other such agreements, for instance, on the uh, so called Shaba farms um, in the uh, northern border in dispute between Syria and Lebanon and both of them in Israel, this could follow. So maybe um, if this comes through, We are in for a better and calmer period in the Israeli-Lebanese relationship.
1: Indeed, General Gavish, are you as optimistic as Ms. Rowan? Well,
2: uh, it's it's hard to be optimistic uh, on the northern arena, uh, really, and it's hard to anticipate what would happen because things can go uh, both ways. There are interests. Uh, from the Hezbollah and for the Iranian war, uh, from the Iranian part, to initiate a war with Israel. There, there are set of interests, why to do it? Maybe we could talk about it later. But there are also, as Amir rightly said, there, is a, there are a set of interests, mainly of the Lebanese state, if we could call it a state of, uh, uh, of uh, let's call it the official Lebanon, and also for Israel uh, to go and, um, and to go ahead with this uh, agreement. So it's hard to anticipate. I would like to be optimistic, as Amir is. And um, um, you know, the, when we see, when we look at the map of interests, probably the map of interest uh, shows that uh, this is what should happen. But in our uh, middle East, we know that um, you know, reasonable. Uh, uh, interest, as we see them, it's not always what uh, will uh, define the, the final results. Uh, so I hope so, I really hope so, because I, I completely agree with the, uh, with Amir that it could be a win-win situation both for Israel and for Lebanon,
1: and for mm. the region at all. Indeed. Uh, Dr. Bohm's, of course, uh, one element within this region is the Islamic Republic of Iran, which uh, its chief advisor for Israeli affairs and, uh, of course, for matters related to Lebanon, uh, is the leader of uh, the Iranian proxy Hezbollah, uh, speaking, of course, about the Secretary General Hassan Asallah. Is there a conflict of interest in this uh, specific instance where, on the one hand, he is in dire need of funds uh, with uh, uh, a failing uh, economy in the country, which he leeches upon, and on the other hand, the Iranians are... In need of a diversion, uh, with everything that is taking place within Iran proper, uh, will he provide the Iranians the right advice uh, in this uh, circumstance?
3: Well, I believe that uh, Secretary General Nasrallah is in between Iraq rock uh, and a hard place. Um, on the one hand, he and his patrons are not very interested uh, in a reality of an agreement that will hint normalization. You've seen. Uh, that one of the things that they have uh, insisted upon in terms of even the protocol, making sure that the two delegations will never be in one room, and that the, some of the language will not reflect that, uh, because, of course, uh, they do not want to see a precedent that afterwards may uh, move into the Shaba farms and may actually take uh, uh, the carpet underneath uh, the reason that of Hezbollah. I mean, they're supposed to be the protectors of Lebanon. From what? From the Zionist uh, enemy, and all of a sudden we realize that we can actually negotiate and deal and create a win-win with that enemy, and that's not a comfortable position for uh, an organization that position itself really as an adversary. On the other hand, uh, they are now uh, trying to uh, position this, and we've seen this with the recent statements, as a victory. Uh, it's the Hezbollah-stern position that was able to bring the Zionists uh, on their feet and really push the Israeli position further south. Uh, uh, and. Uh, Uh, create a real diplomatic victory for Lebanon, and who did this? Hezbollah. So uh, Nasrallah attempts to position him as the winner. If there's going to be an agreement and if it will work, they will say that they have uh, uh, helped negotiate a better agreement for Lebanon, positioning themselves as the protectors of Lebanon. And if there's not going to be an agreement, they will go back to uh, what they've been uh, doing all along, uh, is preventing uh, progress and uh, continuing to fight. Um, they may now need to find uh, different excuses if they were to send additional drones into Karish.
1: Indeed. Mr. Ogan, I'd like to ask you, what is the most likely scenario for the emerging agreement to actually
0: fail? Well, the uh, agreement um, is uh, the uh, second deal between Israel and uh, Hezbollah, and the first one uh, was pretty solid. It was in the uh, second half of the 1990s, after Operation Grapes of Wrath, it was called the Grapes of Wrath Understandings, uh, in which both Israel and Hezbollah committed to refrain from hitting uh, civilian targets, to uh, limit uh, their um, exchanges of fire to, to military targets. And all in all, uh, it worked until it stopped working uh, uh, a few years uh, later. So yes, there is a precedent for the agreement uh, to be kept uh, once um, it is uh, signed. Now, uh, Dr. Bonds is is right Um, for Nasrallah. Appearances are very important. And uh, stylistically, um, uh, contrary to the uh, substantial uh, part of the agreement stylistically he may not like the appearance of uh, Lebanese Israeli rapprochement um, however uh, This is a crucial time in the life of Lebanon because um, the Lebanese masses the citizens are fed up with their leadership the corruption the incompetence and they Don't want Hezbollah to stand in the way of reconstructing Lebanon, and the income expected from the uh, gas exploration is vital. It's a lifeline, and Nasrallah uh, knows that there is a difference between carrying the flag of uh, Mukawama of resistance and uh, uh, being out of favor. With, with the masses. So, um, in response to, to your earlier question, if he had to choose right now between the Iranian interests and the Lebanese ones, he seemed to have decided, at least for once, to be Lebanese.
1: Well, uh, let's bring another actor into the picture, one that is going to benefit greatly from uh, this specific situation, La République de France, uh, France when we're talking about uh, Emmanuel Macron, who uh, committed to rehabilitating uh, Lebanon and uh, pending reform, of course, also helping to bail it out, is now about to gain a significant tender of gas exploration in the offshore uh, areas, which uh, uh, are just off the, the coast of Lebanon. Is this something that, of course, played a role within this context, considering the unique relationship, uh, with emphasis on unique, between Paris and Tehran? And, um, I
2: think that, uh, you know, from the Lebanese uh,
1: perspective, um, we should
2: remember that the relations between Lebanon and uh, and, 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 the, and the French, and France as, as a country, it really goes back for uh, tens and tens of uh, years. Um, France always so impressed from uh, from all kinds of uh, different uh, reasons. Uh, some of it was economical, some of it was uh, foot on the ground and uh, some of it was w- really interest of uh, helping uh, Lebanon. The, the French, are, French are there for a long time. Uh, we also remember that uh, a few years ago, there was a big um, agreement that was about to happen that uh, France would um, would then, I would say, enhance the Lebanese military with the help of the Saudis, which at the end, it didn't work. So um, it is obvious that uh, France uh, have uh, an interest there. And of course, uh, when it comes to economy and if it could boost the economy, this is also something that uh, uh, could be an interest for them. But I think that from a strategic point of view, it is a stabilized factor. I mean, if uh, France would be there, if uh, France interest uh, will be there, if they would be part of those that are helping, uh, let's put it this way, uh, Le- the, the Lebanese people and uh, Lebanon as a, country, as a country, I think that it would work uh, on, uh, on the favorite of uh, stabilizing the, the area.
0: By the way, uh, because the French company Total is part of it, maybe that's the origin of uh, the term franchise. Hmm.
1: Well, uh, who knows? But uh, I'd, I'd like actually to put fo- uh, focus on the the relationship between Paris and uh, Tehran. There are currently five French nationals being held in Iranian prisons. Nevertheless, uh, when we're talking about this relationship between. Uh, France and the Ayatollah regime in particular, considering the fact that uh, Ayatollah Khomeini ultimately was uh, uh, or received a safe haven in France uh, during the times of the Shah prior to the Islamic Revolution. Uh, Is there some sort of leverage the French hold on uh, the Iranians to be able to uh, get things done, so to speak, Uh, in Lebanon in particular, Dr. Bombs.
3: I think the French has more leverage in Lebanon than they have in Iran. And I also think that uh, in Iran uh, at this point in time, uh, again, the the events, the unfolding events, uh, putting the the Iranian regime uh, in in at least in a busy mode of dealing uh, with issues, um, and perhaps with a little less time to to push the levers of uh, foreign uh, policy, a lot of pressure on Iran from the inside and from the outside, uh, and that's excluding the uh, dynamic, uh, the ongoing dynamics of uh, the JCPOA. Um, and uh, I, I agree that uh, the French actually have a role. Uh, some of my colleagues uh, from uh, from Lebanon uh, have, been, and those who are connected to the scene, uh, talk, spoke about the the, the significant push. This also joins uh, another very big issue, which has to do with energy, which, of course, has to do also with the recent crisis, uh, Russia, Ukraine, and Europe uh, very much needs to diversify uh, resources of energy. And therefore, uh, the uh, attempt, we're not sure what uh, uh, the Kana uh, uh, reservoir may uh, bring. Uh, but it's still uh, another very significant push to uh, try and, and secure additional sources of uh, energy um, that, uh, by the way, uh, can potentially influence other uh, interesting geopolitical issues in the region, including uh, Cyprus, uh, uh, Greek, uh, Greece and, and, and Turkey in the future. And, and all of these things uh, French, of course, would like to, to play a, a part in. Um, there's going to be a very difficult winter in uh, Europe, um, and I think some of that uh, also played a, a role here, uh, looking at an opportunity, perhaps uh, at, the time, at the timing that uh, certainly on the Israeli side is a little problematic uh, facing the uh, upcoming uh, elections, that's certainly uh, being discussed here. Uh, but I believe that all of these uh, factors have uh, played a role in trying to push this forward.
1: Indeed, not to forget, of course, uh, the the queuing lines in Paris. Uh, hopefully, such a deal could. But, but you know the French. Uh, the French, yeah. the
0: French um, for all of the hospitality they gave uh, Khomeini before he um, returned to Tehran, um, suffered almost immediately the uh, habit by Khomeini's uh, uh, troops and surrogates to roam around the uh, French. Um, neighborhood, assassinate uh, former Prime Minister Shapur Bakhtiar, and uh, in general, uh, they have not been too grateful. Indeed.
1: Well, uh, that's uh, quite apparent. If if I may add, you
2: know, on on those um, relations between uh, France and Tehran, when we're looking on the different countries which are part of the, let's say, the agreement, or the, the past agreement that Obama as the president of the United States was leading uh, with the Iranian the French government was much closer to the Israel uh, to Israel's uh, point of view on how this uh, agreement should uh, uh, should be um, uh, defined uh, even much even more than the Obama administration so i think also the, the Iranian uh, they see it and they remember it that uh, French is uh, quite strong on their position, uh,
1: third Iran, when it comes to the to the nuclear issue. With that being said, of course, the French position was more about its alignment with the Sunni Arab uh, states rather than Israel. Uh, nevertheless, uh, it was aligned between Israel and the Sunni Arab states, so that's uh, an added factor. Uh, Mr. Ollen, I'd, I'd like to ask about uh, Israel's political construct at this stage. Obviously, uh, until... Earlier this week, on Tuesday, when uh, the announcement has been made, uh, nobody knew what are the context uh, of that deal, except for the National Security Council and, uh, of course, uh, people in the immediate uh, circles of uh, the Security uh, Cabinet and uh, the government at large. Uh, To what degree does this um, seem to be more of a problem within uh, this context? And, And I'd like to Point out that uh, obviously uh, the cabinet, uh, uh, the security cabinet, is supposed to hold a meeting uh, followed by a special government meeting where they will represent then that uh, uh, draft uh, of the agreement. And then the government will have to approve it prior to showcasing it to parliament, which basically means it's not going to be a treaty?
0: Well, it doesn't have to be a treaty. Probably the uh, Attorney General uh, will have uh, to pass judgment uh, on that uh, if it is a treaty, uh, there is um, a fourteen day waiting period which would bring us um, across the uh, election day line. But there is a difference between the tactical and the strategic, obviously tactically, as long you are uh, as long as you are in the middle of negotiations, you can't come out and say the agreement um, is the best we can get because then the other side will use it to squeeze more concessions out of you. So you must behave in a different fashion. You must uh, uh, issue some militant declarations, go to the northern border, uh, tell uh, community leaders, prepare for the West, and all of that. Now, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the opposition leader, has been trying to find an issue in order to move uh, what seems to, to be um, a frozen political scene, to uh, try and have something to throw it, something that would move the needle towards
1: his direction. Is the opposition leader uh, aware of the contents of this agreement? He is definitely aware of it.
0: Um, he has his sources. He has been invited. Uh, to uh, to be briefed, but it's not the contents uh, um, We see that uh, one of the ministers in the cabinet interior minister Ayala Chaket who is fighting for her political life and Needs Netanyahu's favor is doing his work for him. She claims for instance that uh, her former <coughs> party leader who used to <coughs> be uh, Prime Minister Until four months ago, Naftali Bennett has a veto power as an alternate prime minister And by extension she wants to have a veto power Over the agreement and she has announced that she will vote against it in cabinet. Why is there any? reason for minister Shaked to think any differently than other ministers no because uh, she wants um, uh, Netanyahu either to stop fighting her and let her be re-elected to the Knesset or get a, a spot in his cabinet should he win. So we should separate the political from the strategic. Had Netanyahu been in power now, he would have embraced it. He would have added it to the Abraham Accords. He would have said, you see, I brought four agreements with Arab countries, this is the fifth one. If I'm in office, I'll add Saudi Arabia and others, but because uh, Of course, is...
1: that's a matter of speculation though.
0: Yes, that's that's our job here, Indeed. to speculate. We are speculators.
1: Based on, on data. Well, uh, General Gavish, uh, I'd like to ask you, uh, within such a speculation, uh, if, let's say, uh, Minister Shaked decides to veto and receives the legal backing to do so. Would the failure of reaching an agreement at this point draw Israel into war with Hezbollah?
2: Well, this is uh, for sure the uh, in a scenario that uh, we must uh, consider, because uh, – and, and by the way, this is what we see that is happening, it was announced more than once that uh, – by uh, our minister of uh, defense, uh, that Israel is preparing itself to such a, a, a scenario, and so on. So, and and it could be, and you know, just for a second, if we are speculating, as uh, Amir said, let let's look on the reasons or what could be the interest of uh, of Iran, Lebanon, uh, Hezbollah, uh, to start a war uh, now against Israel. Well. Uh, first, uh, from the Iranian point of view, it's, uh, you know, let, let's talk now about the Hezbollah, and uh, no one would be too much uh, now uh, dealing with them. So, taking the focus out of Iran, it could be an interest of them. Uh, of course, uh, election is uh, or in between government. This is always a good time from their point of view to start a war because you know that. The situation in in Israel is not fully stabilized. There is not a, a strong government, and so on. So that could be another reason. Um, another reason that uh, we could uh, talk about is that uh, uh, the the Hezbollah is continuously being attacked from their point of view by Israel uh, on the Syrian uh, soil, and. Uh, uh, they are counting losses, uh, uh, so they would like to break this circle uh, from their point of view. And other reasons could be that uh, Israel is continuously developing an air defense uh, system, a missile defense uh, system, like lasers and others. So their strategic um, military age of uh, rockets and missiles uh, must, must, could be different in the past and in the in the future. So. So this is something that uh, for them, maybe let's start now before Israel would be able to defend itself uh, even uh, better than that. Uh, Closing sentence. So so in in the bottom line is that, uh, yes, this is a scenario that um, could happen. We must take it in our uh, consideration. Uh, This is something that uh, uh, from Hezbollah's point of view uh, could be um, um, a play that would gain a lot of uh, points uh, although I'm if you ask me pr- personally I think that they would like to lean into the agreement part and as it was uh, said before by uh, by by Neil, uh, probably they would say that uh, they are the ones that brought this uh, good agreement and so but Indeed. yes that could happen
1: dr. bombs uh, roughly one minute and 15 seconds what are we need uh... For us as observers, what should we focus on in Lebanon at this stage, just before the finish line?
3: I think we need to uh, continue to look at the political uh, environment in Lebanon and and those who will attempt to use this uh, agreement uh, as a potential trend for the future. What's refreshing here, and we have been here before in the finish line, but it seems that now we have crossed at least another uh, significant hurdle. Uh, That we're able to see a win win uh, agreement uh, that, uh, at least as observers, can be seen as something that's good for both sides. If that becomes a precedent, that can certainly help uh, the anti Hezbollah camp, (coughs) showing that uh, the armed resistance and the armed struggle is not the only way to move forward. We've seen voices like that. Uh, In the Lebanese circles, there are people who are. going to use this uh, to push forward, and that is very positive. Um, And I think that we should look at this, because if there's going to be a a chance uh, to move forward uh, and to really rehabilitate Lebanon and to distance the influence of uh, Hezbollah from it, uh, these types uh, of uh, developments uh, are extremely important um, for the future.
1: Well, this is all the time they are for today, so I'd like to thank General Gavish, Doctor Booms, and Mr. Owen for being part of today's panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time.
0: Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at TV7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.